Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Tuesday, October the 19th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day is linchpin which means one that serves to hold together parts or elements that exist or function as a unit. Lynchpin. Hope everyone is enjoying their Tuesday or will enjoy their Tuesday, I should say. Sorry. Um, weather in North Carolina is uh, it's getting pretty cool. It's getting cool. The temperatures are falling. The temperatures are dropping. The fall is here. The fall is here. Woke up yesterday morning, went outside, and I was like, forgot my, uh, I had to put on my sweatshirt, hoodie. Man, it, it has been a long time coming. Gotta love that cool air, though. Gotta love that cool air. I'm sorry. I just do. I just do. That's just me. That's just me. Many people don't like it, but I do. I thoroughly enjoy it. In comparison to the heat, that extreme heat we had back here this summer with 100 degree plus days for however long we had it, yeah, I got tired of that. I was looking forward to the fall. I, I really was. I just was. Just was. Wow. Uh, Sunday night. Sunday night. I had the pleasure of watching one of the best versus battles I have seen thus far. And if you don't know what I'm talking about or whom I'm talking about, I'm talking about two legends in hip hop. Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One, two of the best MCs to ever do it, went head to head, and it was epic. Uh, when I said one of the the, the best battles I, I've seen, my uh, of course my top is going to be the Isley Brothers with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Sorry, that's just my top. I, I love that old school music, and then of course the uh, Locks versus uh, the Dipset. <laughs> we all remember that that uh, debacle. <laughs> that one. but but man, this. Uh, KRS-One and, and Big Daddy Kane, they're just epic. They're living legends. Certainly deserve their flowers while they while they are breathing. Because they are. They're just legends. I'm sorry, they are. Um, Big Daddy Kane, of course, we all know Kane. But a, a lot of people may not be too familiar with KRS-One. KRS-One is one of those you're, you're not going to see on an award show. You're not going to see on your social media uh, stream feed. You just aren't because he's true to the art form of hip hop. He's true to rap. He doesn't care about uh, record sales, promotions, Grammys, music awards, none of that. He's a he's a true hip hop head, if I could say that. I mean, he, he literally, if you ever heard his story from being homeless to to finding his way somehow into to, into rap or hip-hop. Uh, for all intents and purposes, he was a street kid. He just was. Like I said, he was homeless. And to watch him grow over the years, some 30, 35, 40 years later, and it, it, it has been, it, it has been a beautiful thing to watch him grow, not just as a, a, a hip-hop artist, but as a human being because he, he has grown so much. And man, to, to see 
him and Big Daddy Kane. And of course, you know, Big Daddy Kane is one of the original members of the Juice Crew. If you don't know who the Juice Crew is, it is it was uh comprised of Roxanne Shante, of course, MC Shan, that epic battle that KRS one had with uh MC Shan, the you know, the the bridge is over. <laughs> we all remember that. But yeah, uh Kane bought out uh Roxanne Shante uh Coogee rap, I believe. I, I don't think uh Polo was there. But man, and then KRS one, of course, you know, he bought out Mad Lion. He bought out DOS Effects, and then he bought out uh uh, what was that guy's name, man? I I I can't think of him. But you know, to Mad Lion, he bought him out. To see all of these artists, and these were artists that I can honestly say I grew up with. Uh, yeah, that shy, introverted, only child. I, I would sit in my room and just listen to to rap forever and ever. And to see those guys still doing well, still still kicking, still able able to perform. You could tell they took care of themselves. You just can't. And, and, and it was evident when, when they came out, they were right on point. Like, like they looked like they, they, they sounded like and performed like they were still in the, the prime of their lives. And like I always say, you could always tell the ones that take care of themselves because uh, years ago when I went and saw uh, Eric B and Rakim, they looked the same, sounded the same, didn't miss a beat. They were right on point. But man, to see Big Daddy Kane, that and and and, and KRS One, that was epic to me. That made my night. That made my weekend. Of course, the Bears lost. I won't get into that. They lost to Green Bay, but I needed that Sunday night. I, I just did, and uh, I, yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I sat up and watched the whole thing. Watched the half of it again after it was over because, like I said, I, I was strolling down memory lane. That, those those songs and those two artists and of course multiple other artists and songs that was my childhood i i was I, i'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to come along right when rap or hip-hop was getting started and took off and man i i just can't describe what what how i felt and and a huge fan i am and i i always will be but KRS-One and Big Daddy Kane, like I said, they are two of the best to ever do it. They just are. It was indeed a pleasure. I, I, I couldn't, I don't think I could, um, man, man, I could barely put it into words. If I sound like a groupie or a fan, I'm sorry. I, I just am. I don't think I'm a groupie, though. I don't go travel around <laughs> trying to get, I don't do that. But man, and for for those uh, uh, females to see Roxanne Shante. Now, if you don't know Roxanne Shante and, and, and who she is, she is arguably one of the toughest, baddest, realest MCs, period, whether male or female. I don't care. Because she she gave it, she would give it to you. I, I can remember uh, her, of course, her diss of the UTFO <laughs> and that whole thing that spawned from that with the real Roxanne, Roxanne Shante versus Sparky D, Roxanne versus uh, UTFO, everything that spawned from that. She handled that and 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 then some. And uh, and also, I I, I, I got to say, uh, Big Daddy Kane started off the show with another juice, uh, uh, a tribute to another juice crew member. One of the originals, founders of the Juice Crew, 
Bismarcky, who incidentally coincidentally worked with Roxanne Shante also. And if you remember Roxanne Shante, one of her first songs, it was Biz on the Beatbox. But he he did a tribute to Bismarcky, and, and that was exceptional also. Yeah, borderline tearjerker just from thinking about Biz. But man, it, it was like I said, that was one of the best battles I uh, versus I've seen. I don't know who's next. And and you know, the crazy thing is Big Daddy Kane and and KRS one, they are friends. Because uh Big Daddy Kane tells the tale of how when he moved out of his parents' home, KRS one helped him move out. You know, they were walking down the street carrying a couch with uh Miss Melody, which was KRS one's wife, or eventually became KR. R.S. one's wife walking down the street with a TV up on her arm. <laughs> then they moved into somewhere down in a basement and him and K.R.S. one sat down and uh, uh, once they got everything hooked up, they drank a six pack of Heineken and watched the color, the color purple. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> hey, that's just the simplicity of hip hop. You never know. Yeah, those two guys, they're friends, but there was no animosity on that stage. It was just a showcase and a love of hip hop that they showed. And, and, and man, I, I just thank them. I thank them both. Now, um, I don't know who the next versus battle or what that's going to be, but you know, KRS one has always, he's always that guy. He's always that MC. He says, uh, uh, he has said before that he wants LL Cool J. That would be good. That would be a, woo, that would be a versus that would. That just would. And if you're thinking, oh, LL Cool J was for the women, no, he won't. LL Cool J has some rhymes for you. He has some lyrics for you. He wanted to be messed with. He took out some cats that came for him, too, thought he had that pretty boy persona. And they quickly learned he was a real MC. He was not to be played with. So that's going to, if, if that ever happens, that's going to be a good one, also. But we'll see. We'll see. Still one of the best verses I've seen thus far. I enjoy these verses. I really do. Especially when they get some top-notch artists and performers. Um, you have to stop what you're doing and tune in. You just do. All right. Wow. Uh, man, it looks like uh, 16 Americans and one Canadian missionary have been kidnapped in Haiti. Haiti's back in the news again. Oh, boy. Uh, they've been kidnapped by a Haitian gang asking for 17 million in ransom. That's 1 million for each person. 17 million. Now this gang is called the uh, 400 Mawazo gang. And what they're saying, they're responsible for the abduction that took place Saturday after the missionaries had visited an orphanage in Haiti. Now the missionaries are from an Ohio-based Christian aid ministries organization made up of five men seven women, and five children. The youngest being an eight-month-old baby, and the rest range in age from three to 15. So they have five kids also with them. The youngest, eight-month-old, and oldest, 15. Man, sweet Jesus. Now, apparently this kidnapping is on, uh, these kidnap kidnappings here in, in Haiti are on a, a regular basis. Uh, they're saying yeah, they had them before, but ever since the assassination of the president, the country's up in arms, uh, political turmoil, poverty, lack of quality health insurance, health care. And, and what they're saying is these gangs, because uh, the, the Mawazo or Mawazo gang isn't the only one. There's a whole 
lot more, but they're the most prevalent, what they're calling out because they're saying they have, uh, what they're saying is they've seen a huge spike in kidnappings since July. I mean, that's around the time the president was assassinated, was it not? Yeah, so much so they're saying they're, they're seeing a 300% kidnapping rise. Man, any, and what they're saying is any and everyone can become a victim. Uh, Haitian citizens have failed victim to this. They're not just uh, kidnapping foreign people. They're uh, even kidnapping their own citizens, citizens that are out just going to buy groceries. Uh, they, they're saying white, white, what quite possibly could be the lure for many of these Haitian uh, citizens that are being kidnapped. They're in vehicles. I don't know, for some reason, somehow, maybe they're saying they want the... Um, they want the vehicles for whatever. I, I just don't know. But these kidnappings have been taking place so much and so often in Haiti that um, a transportation official called for a, a a boycott or a strike to take place Monday where no one. And, it, and apparently it did, because what they're saying, what took place Monday was no one went to work. No one went to school. No one went grocery shopping. No one did anything. They shut the whole town down. Now this 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 town is a suburb outside of Port-au-Prince, and like I said, the people they they just shut the whole town down. They just didn't do anything, and it's not to uh, not in fear, but to show protests in hopes of getting um, some help down there to to help with these these kidnappings. Now the the FBI is working closely with the uh, Haitian government and police officials there. And, and trying to determine, you know, what they're going to do as far as uh, getting these citizens back to the United States and Canada. Um, but we all know that the U.S. government's position on kidnapping is there. They don't negotiate with kidnappers. So we're going to have to just see how this goes. Um, no telling. There's no telling how this is, will go. But, man, Haiti, Haiti is, uh, wow. <laughs> They are going through it. They are. Man, they're going through it. I mean, between the assassination of their president, the natural disasters with the uh, earthquake, and then the, the hurricane that produced those mudslides, and now you have all these kidnappings going on all over the place over there. It, it, it You, you got to say, I, I mean, damn, I, I see why they're trying to flee. You know, just like I said before, you... you, you you don't know there has to be a reason why these people are trying to flee that country. And this may be one of the reasons. I mean, there's no stability anywhere in that country. None whatsoever. There just isn't. It's just chaos. I mean, to think you're going to the grocery store and, and you're getting kidnapped and held for ransom by um, a, a gang for for whatever reason, because what they're saying is uh, this gang, the, the Mo, uh, Mawazo gang, uh, they, they are known for kidnapping for ransom. That's just what they do. So, I mean, prayers for those missionaries. I mean, to to think in those five kids, an eight month old all the way up into a 15, uh, a 15 year, 15 years of age. That's a lot. That is that just is. I mean, 17 people kidnapped. They were missionaries. They were there to, to help. And, and this happens. But they, they're saying the missionary, that the missionary works, 
that goes on in Haiti. They are aware of the threat and danger of going there and, and quite possibly being kidnapped. They know before they went in, if I could say that, oh, man, that's that's totally, that's unsat. That just, that's, that just is. That's unsat. It, it is. It is. All right, let's move along. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. Man, uh, sadly, I um, was out yesterday morning. Uh, I had to take my son to school, and I'm riding down the road, and I'm listening to the radio, and, and there's a guy on there, and a doctor, they're talking about COVID and the, you know, the misconceptions with the vaccines or whatever, what have you, and one of the caller calls in and ask, uh, <clears throat> ask about, he speaks about uh, General Colin Powell and him passing from COVID. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. General Colin Powell's dead? So, I I mean, as I soon found out, it was true. You know, if you've been following me, I did my uh, second podcast on on his book that it it was an autobiography uh, on his life. And and, and in that podcast I did, it was a compare and contrast he had had revealed about uh, what Black Americans felt felt about um, Caribbean immigrants coming to the country felt they were taking their jobs or whatever. Uh, and he quickly dismissed that as, you know, Hey, but that was my second podcast off of his autobiography. And I thought to myself, Oh man, but what they're saying, he passed um, from complications from COVID at the age of 44, he was fully vaccinated, but he had underlying health conditions. He had cancer, a rare uh, blood disorder or blood cancer disorder, and he had Parkinson's disease also. But he had a, not just a stellar career, but a, 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 his life is the American dream. It just is. You always hear people talk about the American dream, the American dream, American dream, this, American dream, that. He's a glaring example of the American dream. Came from the South Bronx, the sons of immigrants from, uh, I believe it's the island of Jamaica. They were Jamaican. So they pretty much, his family, his mother and father pretty much came and they just worked and and grind and in hopes of making a better life for their children. He was, uh, of course, he had a sister also, I believe. I think that it was just him and his sister, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't really looked back, but I believe that that's what it is. But he was a kid from the South Bronx and he did, <laughs> you know, when he, he tells the story, so well, you know, he said, I was a kid from the South Bronx, Bronx, and I wasn't thinking about college. <laughs> he wasn't thinking about college. Uh, he said, I, I, I was just, I believe he had started on a wrong path and, and, and his mother, father, and quite possibly his aunt got him back on track <laughs> because he ended up, if if you read his autobiography, he ended up going to, a, a, I guess what we would call a community college, getting a degree. Somehow, some way, uh, he, he was already in ROTC. I believe he was in ROTC when he was in high school or whatever. And when he got out, he, he was still in ROTC. And that began his military career once he, uh, I guess he, he got out of the junior college and he went to another college. Uh, and, and that began his military career. And when I say he his story or his life is the American dream, American dream, because, uh, like I said, he, he was the son of immigrants. 
They pretty much, they were working class. They didn't have little to nothing or too much of anything, but they made the best with what they had. And they instilled these values in their children who went on and, and just lived life. His story is the American dream because of South Bronx. Went on the mill. He, he wasn't that academically uh, gifted, but somehow, some way, he made his, his way into the ROTC and he, he became an army uh, army officer. And he, he went on his, his military career to rise for, if I could say this, for uh, uh, anybody, but especially a black American to rise to the rank of general is, is it is an astonishing, it deserves great merit and applause. That's not an easy feat for anyone. But he, he, he went on and, and became the general and he was in wars you know, his I believe one of his son or his son was born while he was in the Vietnam War. But the thing, the catalyst for me was when I read his autobiography, I, I, I played paid close attention to the relationship between him and his wife. You know, throughout everything that he had been through when he finally married her. And I shouldn't say finally, but, you know, she was right there with him through thick and thin going from base to base. Conflict to conflict, job to job, she was right there with him, right by his side. That deserves a great deal of respect. You know, and then for him to, uh, I guess when he finally decided he was done with his military career, he he started on into the um, political side. That wasn't easy. He, he, He started out his political career, political career during the um, Reagan administration. He was the youngest at that time and the first black American chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Now, under the and, and when he went further down the line under Bush Sr. and Bush Jr. also, and even with Clinton, he served as the Secretary of State. I mean, that's that's something that that certainly hasn't been talked about or taunted. And the reason why is because he served under Republicans. Now, if you know for for black Americans and, and, and Republicans that that debate or what have you, that that's an oddity in itself. And I think that's why he never received the recognition he deserved, because he went off on his own. He had his own thoughts, his own mind. He saw his own way through life. I think at an early age, him coming out of the South Bronx, he realized, hey, this ain't going to be an easy road, but no matter what, I got to give it my all. Yeah, he was a Republican. He served under a lot of Republican administrations, but his policies and his procedures and how he handled himself, that helped shape the United States foreign policy relations as it relates to the Middle East. It just did. While he was serving under these administrations, he was doing a lot. But in that Bush Sr. and and Bush Jr. and Clinton, he was he was knee deep in the with Middle East. The Middle East was the, the, the topic coming out of the late eighties, nineties. Now, so much so I can remember. <laughs> I remember he uh, they they had him before Congress, and he was giving his report or whatever as it relates to something that was going on. But the congressman or whatever kept trying to hound and pressure him 
on Bush Senior and his response to the uh, the the was that that, that uh, Iraq War? Because what what were they were saying was the U.S. went into Iraq under some false intel, lies. There were no weapons of mass destruction. But anyway, that particular day, he was on Capitol Hill sitting before Congress. He wasn't supposed to be talking about that. And that congressman came in and hit him with that. And he just stopped. (laughs) I remember it like it was yesterday. He just stopped, put his paper down and and said, congressman, such and such and such or whatever. That's not what we're here for. I didn't come here for that. I came here for this. And he shot that congressman a look. (laughs) He shot him a look that said every bit of, yeah, I'm Jamaican and I'm from the South Bronx. Don't make me come out of this chair. That's just just the look he had on his face. (laughs) So I I remember that. And and man, I remember his his, his military career. Certainly someone you, you could look up to or look at and say, you know what? This guy, he he ain't to be played with. He ain't, no, even though he was involved in politics, he won't know politics. He won't your everyday politician. He was still, even though he had retired from the military, he was still a soldier. And if you know anything about soldiers or, or military personnel in general, they don't take too much mess. They can't stand the nonsense. If you want to say something or do something, be out front with it. Don't sneak in and hide or, or slip the jabs in on me. That just seems like that's the type of guy he was. But his career and the the contribution he gave to the United States, it it it, it, it it's unmatched. It's unparalleled. Like I said, he never truthfully and fully received the recognition he deserved because he was a black Republican. That's just the bottom line. Sad. And I hate to say it. I, I I think we as black Americans or we as Americans in general, I think we really missed a great patriot, a great human being in general Colin Powell. Because now when I go on social media and, and I'm looking at all of these uh, fees and all of these RIPs and, 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 and I'm looking at, you know, I have to be honest with you. I see a lot, a lot of, a lot of black people saying R.I.P. Colin, R.I.P. Colin Powell, and I'm thinking to myself. Now I know damn good and well when that man was alive and he was serving under those Republican administrations, you were part of the ones that were bashing him. It's like you were part of the ones that bashed Condoleezza Rice. You know, I can, I can remember, and I'm going to be honest, sellout, token, uh, House Negro. I remember hearing that all about Colin Powell, and I'm sure he did too. And he didn't waver or falter from what he believed in and to continue to do the job that he was appointed to do. Not many politicians, not many civilians can say that. But he held true and firm to what he believed in, and he didn't waver despite the social pressure or the political pressure. He wouldn't waver from it. He knew full well, this is who I am. I got a job to do and I'm going to do it. And he did. He did. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking on social media and I'm seeing all these RIPs and I'm thinking to myself, I know damn good in the world. I know full well you were one of those that were saying that about that man. I guess you can't speak ugly of the dead. But anyway, anywho, I think another thing that happened uh, <laughs> somehow, and that's why I say it's so tricky with people sometimes. He, um, like I said, he was a black Republican, but when Trump, he wasn't a fan of Trump. 
He made that clear. And so that made a lot of black people say, oh, he's finally come around. Uh, no, uh, he, he was just his own individual person. He didn't care what your party affiliation was. If he didn't agree with you, he just didn't agree with you. But, you know, we're all as black Americans, we're under this guise of this mindset of of calling people sellouts and Uncle Tom's and tokens because they don't think and talk like we do. Pretty sad state of affairs, because usually what I'm learning now at my 48 years upon this earth, when you do that, when you start ridiculing and belittling and degrading someone because they don't think like you do, you miss a lot. You miss something that you need. And I think a lot of black Americans have missed that and and not at least acknowledging or sitting down and thinking or listening to what the man had to say about certain issues. So for me, he was a great American. And and uh, he will be so missed because he had, I, at 84 years of age, I, I just didn't know he had cancer and, and the Parkinson's. But like I said, when I read that autobiography, I was like, wow, this is a great man. He just was. So RIP to Col- General Colin Powell. Sadly, RIP. All right. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support. Share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. I would love to hear your voice. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Verbal, and WordPress. And as always, thank you for listening. This is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Thought. Amen.